On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Ryan Choi, race director for the Crowbar Backcountry Ski Race. We discuss how unique the race is, what he does as a race director, and the opportunities for backcountry skiing in northern Utah. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase Anderson with the Highlander Podcast, and today I'm joined by Ryan Choi, the race director for the Crowbar Backcountry Ski Race. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for taking some time. Um, I'm excited to get into this because the crowbar, if, if people don't know the crowbar backcountry ski race, it's it's incredible. It's it's a really interesting event. I think a really unique event. Maybe we can talk about how unique. Um, but uh, I would tend to say maybe something that a lot of people here in this community don't know is happening in, in the backcountry uh, just up Logan Canyon. Um, so again, thanks for taking some time to talk through this. But do you mind sharing a little bit about what uh, what is the crowbar backcountry race? Um, yeah, so the crowbar uh, is an acronym. The crowbar ski race is an acronym for the Cache Regional Overland Winter Backcountry Race, and it was uh, initially dreamed up by a handful of backcountry skiers about eleven years ago, who really wanted to promote. Uh, an adventure race of sorts um, here in our own backyard and to really show off and highlight some of the awesome aspects of the Bear River Range and to just get people outside on skis. And uh, that's kind of what the first race was the first year was a handful of people with a lot of love and passion for skiing and our own backyard. That's amazing. Any idea what what year that started? How long has it been going on? I believe the first race was in 2009. Okay. All right. Wow. So 10 year anniversary this year? Uh, last year. Actually. Last year. Well, yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense. Huh? Yeah. Okay. That's how long have you been involved in uh, race directing or even as a participant? Uh, my first race was in 2014. Okay. And I've been involved for about the last five years in various aspects and planning, but this is my first year as race director. Oh, wow. So I've, as a race director, we've talked to a few race directors from, from different types of events, mostly bike and, and, uh, and running. Um, I'd be interested to learn what are some of the unique challenges, you know, planning a race like this in the backcountry. What what are some of those challenges that you you face planning a race like this? Oh man, yeah. So uh, organizing, as you said, organizing races is uh, a logistically challenging affair and um, requires the wearing of a lot of different hats. Yeah. Um, in order to make things go smoothly on race day, so uh, for crowbar planning actually starts almost like a year in advance in terms of getting things prepped and ready. Um, but uh, it's mostly just organizing and coordinating with people and making sure that we have enough volunteers to be able to pull this, um, the race off. And it, it, it's uh, hugely supported by a large community of um, passionate volunteers who really love to see this thing go off. But um, yeah, it requires, uh, yeah, working with the Forest Service and getting uh, the necessary permits, uh, coordinating efforts with uh, Cache County and Rich County Search and Rescue, um, reaching out to corporate sponsors to get donations for prizes and, and raffle uh, swag, um, as well as uh, working with uh, other backcountry skiers to help set the course, um, flag it, and get things prepped for race day, and to have uh, a whole cadre of volunteers to station backcountry checkpoints and make sure that the racers are safe out on the course during race day. Um, it's a lot to think about. It's Please. a lot, yeah, a lot to keep in keep in uh, line. But um, one of the the 
hardest parts of the backcountry ski race like crowbar is that well first crowbar is the only backcountry ski race in north america uh ski, ski mountaineering schema race in 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 the country to be held outside of a ski area um wow. schema racing originally started in europe um as a way for people to get outside and do what a lot of people call mountain running mm-hmm. um running uphill really fast in uh, lightweight gear and spandex suits and um, that really took off in Europe and then made its way to the States about 20 years ago. And since then, schema racing um, has really become a lot po- very popular. But a lot of the, because they're held in a lot of races, you're, uh, a lot of the courses are held in areas that are um, controlled settings uh, where you have, in ski areas, you have ski patrollers that use um, uh, avalanche techniques to uh, detonate uh, sensitive slopes or close off areas that might be unsafe for skiers. And they do a lot of uh, avalanche mitigation and control work um, to make, make it safe. But um, uh, running something like crowbar in the backcountry requires a lot of additional planning and um, checking up on the snowpack and, and digging snow pits, um, submitting avalanche reports to the Utah Avalanche Center. Um, as well as mitigating uh, the course terrain to minimize uh, avalanche risk and exposure to racers. And so there's a whole other added level of safety uh, and consideration that comes into play when organizing a backcountry ski race like this. There really are some unique challenges that I, I don't know if people think of um, when planning something like this and a lot of responsibility. How do, how does that feel for you? There's, it seems like there's an added level of pressure where, you know, any of these races, there's there's risks associated with it, right? When you're, when you're an athlete or or anyone who's participating and you're pushing yourself in some of these environments, but, you know, the threat of an avalanche isn't something that you see in a bike race, right? So what? How does that feel as a race director with some of that added responsibility that safety is kind of falls on you and the team to make sure that this is a safe experience for everyone? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, there is a whole lot of added risk when you uh, try to organize 100 people to go out and have fun in the backcountry. Um, but safety is paramount in our first and primary concern when organizing an event like this, uh, fun being second. But yeah, um, yeah safe, we take snow safety very seriously. Um, I actually spend a lot of time in the backcountry in the winter and um, uh, spend a lot of my free time digging pits and studying snow um, in, in order to be able to recreate safely and to make sure other people recreate safely as well. Right. So what, where does the race take place? And then what does the course look like? What's the terrain that people are going to be dealing with? So the race course is held uh, currently at uh, the Garden City uh, Backcountry Bowls. It's a popular ski area locally here up at up Logan Canyon. Um, it's about uh, 28 miles up Logan Canyon on Highway 89 near the UDOT Sheds um, mm-hmm. on your way to Bear Lake. And the course itself, um, it starts at the trailhead, but then it quickly leaves <clears throat> the groom road and heads out to the back, the Garden City Bowls, where we have, um, where we generally set up a race course with several different loops and climbs for the different race categories that we have. So uh, for Crowbar, we have four different races. We have a juniors category, a recreational category, as well as a heavy metal slash race category. And so uh, we're trying to encourage all sorts of ages and participants to come out and um, participate in this race. Um, In the past, we've had about, oh, like 15, 20 youth skiers come out and and ski with us on race day. About uh, 30 to 40 rec rec division racers. Um, And a lot of the 
schemo crowd from Salt Lake likes to come up and ski in this race every year. Um, the 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 juniors course is about let's see the juniors course is about four miles and about two thousand feet of climbing and with about two climbs and a booter. Uh, the rec race is about five to six miles and about three thousand vertical feet of climbing and about three climbs. And then the race division and heavy metal they have about. 10 to 11 miles on skis, uh, about 5,000 feet of climbing, and five separate climbs and two booters. So there's a varying level of technical ability as, and uh, endurance for each of the categories. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so what, I guess, for those who maybe aren't familiar with with backcountry skiing and, and the climbing aspect of it, what does that actually look like for someone? Like, there's, people are, are physically hiking up to different areas and then skiing down. What does that look like for someone? What, what does that take? Ah, well, it takes a special set of backcountry ski gear. Um, we, uh, we encourage people to come out with all sorts of um, different setups, both like AT tech bindings, telemark skis, and split boards. They're all welcome uh, to racing. And um, yeah, uh, we, we generally have a nine o'clock start um, and we have a big, big start and the racers go off and then they head out on their different loops and return to base. But 90% of the time that you're schema racing, you're going uphill. And so the lighter the gear you have, the easier, the easier it is, the faster you go and the more fun you have. And that's, and then you have fun coming down and try not to crash. Right. Especially on the uh, skinny race skis that people are skiing on these days. Yeah. So where, where are people coming from? I, I imagine you get a lot of local people, but you mentioned some, some people from Salt Lake. Do you have any idea of the demographic of, you know, or the geography or, of where people are coming from to participate in this kind of an event? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the majority of our participants come from the Intermountain West, um, but probably about two-thirds of folks come from the I-15 corridor in the Wasatch Front. Mm. Um, schemo racing has actually become one of the largest uh, fat and fastest growing sports in mm. the country um, uh, folks have been d- doing a great job at promoting schema racing down in the Wasatch um, primarily with the uh, Tuesday night citizen series of uh, races held at um, Brighton um, where recently there were over 150 people that came out and participated in this event um, and it's really taking off. The powder keg has been going on um, down in the Wasatch since 2003. And um, yeah, people are just really loving getting into schema racing and into the backcountry in the wintertime. So it's really exciting to see and to help promote um, this fast growing sport. Well, it's cool that, that uh, in this region, we've had this event going on for so long. Um, and it sounds like the sport in general is, is you know really taking off. Uh, it's, it's nice to see Cache Valley and, and this region embrace these types of sports and these types of races. And what do you think that the community could do to better support these opportunities, these races, these activities, um, it, just in general? What, what would you like to see the community do to better embrace um, schema racing, backcountry skiing, kind of the sport in general? Um, I yeah one of the reasons i really love this race is because how it really brings the backcountry ski community together there aren't many opportunities uh where you have backcountry skiing is often a very solitary or a, a, a sport that you do with a handful of people but it's really cool to bring together the community of people here in cache valley to support uh races such as crowbar um uh, there's another race coming up in March that uh, Nordic United is putting on. 
actually at the same location called Uller. Uller was a race, a Nordic ski race that used to happen here in Cache Valley like 15, 20 years ago. And it's only recently being revived through efforts and supporters of Nordic United. Um, now, Crowbar, so we're actually uh, a division and are also supported by uh, Nordic United, which is the nonprofit here in Cache Valley that promotes non-motorized winter recreation. And that is, uh, the organization is probably the, is the force in town that the community I feel like is really um, supporting those types of, these types of events here in, in, in our backyard. Yeah, they're, they're certainly doing so much to introduce people to the sport, um, get people out on, on the trails, whether it's um, backcountry skiing, Nordic, snow biking, snowshoeing. I, we, we actually talked with their, the president, Gino, uh, recently on a previous podcast, and I was interested to just see their goal being just get people out on the snow, um, you know, if it's, if it's human-powered, right? And that, that could be snow biking. That could be backcountry. Um, that kind of leads me into another question around um, – just the opportunity here to, to get people more involved in winter recreation opportunities. I think some people, Cache Valley's colder a little longer and, and sometimes earlier than a lot of people would like. Um, but that's not to say that there's not incredible opportunities to get out and recreate during those times. I think some people see that as a negative, um, but uh, it's, it's just nice to hear people like yourself, like Gino, who embrace the cold and the winter recreation opportunities. And I think more people could take note of that and realize, oh, well, this change of season opens up a new, just a whole new category of opportunities to, to go and recreate, right? I, I don't, do you have thoughts on that? Um, totally. Um, yeah, winter is my favorite season and is the reason I live in Cache Valley <clears throat> for access to the Bear Rivers and the places that I really love to spend my time. And yeah, I think Nordic, Nordic United has done a, a great job at promoting this non-motorized winter recreation by grooming trails up Green Canyon, um, supporting uh, the grooming of fa uh, fat bike trails in Green and Prov Canyon. Uh, we've been doing some experimental grooming up Smithfield Canyon uh, this season, which is really, really cool, as well as the recurring grooming of Beaver Bottoms. Um, and yeah, I just would really, I just really love seeing people getting out and enjoying uh, what I consider to be the best season uh, in the mountains in northern Utah. Yeah, I love hearing that because it's you know sometimes you don't you don't hear that perspective enough, um, and I think it's one of those things that that can set Cache Valley apart a little bit. It's you know one of those things that we ought to promote as much as possible. I think if if we want people to recognize Cache Valley and this community as a outdoor recreation community, is we got quite a few months out of the year with some great opportunity to go and backcountry ski and and recreate. Um, I guess from that perspective, um, probably not as much competition for some of the, for the good snow in the backcountry, right? If you live here, there's probably a benefit. You can get up there before a lot of people and you're not competing with as many people as you might down in, in Salt Lake. Is that, have, have you seen that? Is that the case? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say that is, uh, the case around here. Well, that's good. We, we won't give away any of your spots or anything, so we've, we won't reveal any of that. Um, kind of with that, the, similar question, but the state of the backcountry community right now, where do you think it is? Like, um, do, do you see a lot of participation when it comes to backcountry skiing in this area? The, the community kind of comes together around these races, but is it an active community? What, what does it look like? What's the state of backcountry skiing up here? 
Um, I would say it's growing. Um, the number of users, I think, are increasing every year, just like we see with backcountry use everywhere else, um, locally and regionally, and uh, yeah, across the country. Um, the more people are just interested in getting outside and exploring our public lands and our natural resources, especially in the wintertime. Um, the other thing that has happened in the last 10 years is uh, gear is just so much lighter and affordable that and accessible to people that more people are able to uh, have access to what was previously like really heavy or really expensive and uh, um, restrictive in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, we're just seeing increased use and uh, support for um, these recreational opportunities. Um, there's also a lot more information out there with the internet and social media and people are really excited to get into backcountry skiing in general. What do you think the, I, I don't think I, I prepared you for this question, but do you think, what do you think the pathway is for someone to get into backcountry skiing? How, how do most people get into it? Is there, is there a clear pathway where they start downhill alpine skiing and that's kind of the, the traditional starting place and then they move into backcountry? Um, and how do you think more people could access the sport? I, it can be really daunting. I think there's a lot of, I don't know, for a lot of people who don't understand the sport and maybe some of the safety aspects of it, skiing in the backcountry seems daunting and there's a lot more that you might have to think about. So how do you think people can overcome that and, and more people can be introduced to the sport? You mentioned gears becoming more affordable. Um, there's more information all around, you know, to learn how to get into the sport, but what do you think could be done to, to help people you know, get introduced to backcountry skiing or get into it? What's, what's keeping people from getting into it more? I mean, that, that is an excellent question. That's the million dollar question. Um, in, in my opinion, I think, I, I think that skiing and backcountry skiing are two totally different sports mm. and I, I kind of approach them in a similar, in a very different way. Um, and I mean, a lot of people have a, at least for myself, like I came from a very strong skiing background, um, and then was able to meld my passion for, um, overland navigation and like getting out and exploring um new places uh with backcountry skiing and but there isn't like you said there isn't a clear cut path on how to gain the skills and experience necessary um to to recreate safely and um i think if people are interested in getting into backcountry skiing spending the time to developing the skill sets necessary to be able to recreate safely, like um, taking your Abbey One class, um, going out with um, taking taking uh, classes with uh, professional ski guides and learning how to read terrain and mitigate um, avalanche hazards safely and effectively, um, as well as just spending t time. Um, backcountry skiing is one of those sports that you can't rush into you have to spend time developing those skills um and doing things like crowbar and powder keg in this in the tuesday night citizen series races are i think are a great way uh to getting your feet wet and out there in the backcountry and um having a good time with other people who are also doing the same things um finding mentors people who are more experienced who are willing to take you under their wing and to share you know years of 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 life experience is a critical way, I think, of, of being able to transfer knowledge from the older generation to the next. Um, it's a harder pathway, but it's also, I think, a very rewarding one.
that's that's interesting to hear kind of your perspective as to how you think the people are introduced to the sport and and i think we have a real benefit of having nordic united here in the community a built-in community where if you really want to learn about backcountry skiing there's a whole bunch of like-minded people that are going to be at crowbar and the, at the Uller race right and maybe that's a great opportunity for people to get involved um and you've been to plenty of these races in the past how often do you see people who are kind of on the fringe who are looking to jump in but they want to learn more do you see a lot of new participation because of you know someone coming to the event and wanting to learn more uh, i mean that's kind of how i got involved i was passionate about backcountry skiing and started coming to the races and meeting more people and like you said like my like-minded folks with similar interests and values and a lot of just you know shared commonality and um, i've actually met some of my closest friends uh, through Nordic United in these races. So yeah, I think there is a lot of value to participating and being involved and volunteering with these sorts of um, activities. That's great. Um, uh, uh, kind of a, more on a personal note, how did you get into backcountry skiing and, or skiing in general? Like I'd, I'd love to learn more about your background and, and even how did you get to Cache Valley? We talked a little off air, but what brought you here and, um, and what led you into skiing? I'd love to learn more about that. Well, I'm originally from Seattle, and um, I grew, was fortunate enough to grow up skiing um, ever, ever since I could walk. Um, my, I learned to ski from my dad and uh, was a ski instructor in high school and grew up skiing at Snoqualmie Pass. Um, but I originally moved to Utah um, after college because of the desert. And it wasn't – and I spent several years exploring and uh, – spending time in the desert, but it was, I came to Cache Valley for grad school and that's where I found the Bear Rivers and really fell in love with this place. And um, yeah, it's, I, I started back under skiing when I moved here and I haven't stopped. <laughs> that's great. What What do you think sets it apart? I, I'd be curious, because um, I guess, I guess when people think of skiing, they think of resorts and downhill probably, probably first, I guess your average, um, consumer um and and cash valley has some ski opportunities you know we've got a few ski resorts um you know not as big as as most of them down south um i don't know how much people know or think about the unique backcountry ski opportunities so i'd be curious what what are the backcountry ski opportunities up here that that set the bear river area apart I mean, the, what I love about living in Cache Valley is the fact that we have two wilderness areas literally at our back door. Right. And you can access them any month out of the year. Mm. Um, the fact that we have these resources and places just in such close proximity uh, to where we live and um, it just makes it incredibly easy to spend time in these places. Um, and the sky's the limit. Uh, this place is, um, yeah, this place is incredibly unique. And uh, yeah, you could spend lifetimes exploring and skiing around here and never ski at all. Yeah, I feel like the, the wilderness areas don't get enough appreciation um, and, and aren't recognized as much as, as they could be, but you're so right. There's so much uncharted land that's just accessible year round. Right. Um, 
So my other question for you is kind of back going back to the race. Um, how many people are involved in in planning this type of, of an event? And you mentioned there's there's a lot of there's people directly involved on the UNAR, uh, U, uh, Nordic United team, um, you know, obviously including yourself and your volunteers. But then there's the Avalanche Center. There's uh, different for, you know, forest service. There's the county. If you could put a number on it, how many people do you think are are involved in putting an event like this together? If you could ballpark it. Um, it, yeah, it, it really does take a village to pull off, uh, an event like this. And, um, we do have support from board members of Nordic United, uh, we probably have, um, a steering committee of about a dozen people, um, directly helping putting on the race. And then it takes about 40 to 50 vo- race day volunteers, um, a combination of grad students, undergrads, community members, uh, local search and rescue, ski patrollers, um, forest service employees. Um, this year, uh, Chad Brackelsberg, uh, the head of the Utah Avalanche Center, uh, will be bringing a crew and in, in stationing um, a race tent promoting uh, avalanche awareness on race day. Um, Skimoco, the backcountry ski company out of Salt Lake, um, they're also coming on race day and will be uh, providing demo gear available for racers this year. And yeah, it just takes a lot of people and a lot of support and a lot of passion from volunteers to really pull off uh, something as logistically complex and as awesome and fun as Crowbar. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, what, what are the volunteer opportunities? If someone wanted to get involved and, and, and help out at the race, I, I'm sure there's different levels of volunteering, right? You probably have people up on the mountain that are more focused on safety and, and making sure you're not losing racers anywhere and everyone's safe. Um, and you probably have people down at the bottom at the finish line. So what are some of those different opportunities? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah. So right now we're actually trying to drum up uh, volunteer support uh, from anyone who's interested. Um, people, if you have backcountry ski experience, we'd love to have you um, come out and help man checkpoints during on race day. Um, we're also looking for people to help uh, mark the course in the days leading up to the event. Um, it takes uh, several days of breaking trail and putting out flags and stomping out transition zones. Um, it's a lot of hard work and, uh, but great time out in the mountains, uh, to prepare for the course for race day. Um, we also have a whole, uh, team of people that, um, help, uh, do the timing of this, of the race, as well as like distributing bibs and race numbers, um, and race packets to racers, uh, check in the check-in booth and, uh, need people to help with uh, parking at the trailhead. So yeah, if people are interested in helping out, uh, you can actually reach us at crowbar at nordicunited.org um, if you'd like to help out and volunteer. Additionally, we have uh, we also have information at crowbarskirace.org um, uh, if you would like to help volunteer for the event. That's great. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you plugged both of those. I was going to ask at the end, but I'm glad you got that in there. Um, I, m- you kind of sparked another question. Um, the unpredictability of the course, I think, is is interesting. And you're dealing in snow that doesn't, you know, it changes daily. Um, so how wh- what does that challenge look like? I'm sure you're mapping out the course, but you could have, you know, a weather pattern come in like right before the race that might alter the course. Has that happened in the past? Are there any stories that, that, you know, things that you've experienced in the past few years where 
you've had to adjust the course at the last minute? Yeah. So holding a race in the backcountry and um, a whole slew of uncontrolled conditions is is our primary logistical challenge. Um, and for me, that spent means a lot of time spent out on the course. Uh, assessing snowpack and um, this year it looks like we have a we have an above average snowpack so I think for now we're looking pretty good um, at least with long-term weather forecasts in the next couple of weeks Um, however in previous years we've actually had to alter the course either change the the course itself or move course location because of low snowpack and just poor conditions Um, that's one of the reasons the race is at the Garden City course, it used to be at um, what's uh, locally known as Beaver Envy, Beaver's Envy, um, but we had to move it to Garden City because of low snow a couple years ago. Um, and yeah, uh, there's so much variability. I mean, some years we've had two feet of pow, um, we're getting face shots on race skis, and others, other years we've had mashed potatoes. Um, and heavy 40 degree temperatures that mm. making make skiing really challenging. Um, but one of the biggest challenges I think facing events like crowbar and the whole ski industry in general is climate change and the in- increased uh, variability in um, interannual uh, differences in, in, in snowpack and warmer temperatures um, that make the long-term uh, planning for things like this a real challenge in the future. Well, and we've talked a little bit off air, but your your specialty being researching climate change, um, we'd love to have you back to, to talk about some of those issues and how those are at, impacting um, this area and nationally. Um, but yeah, definitely an interesting challenge that, that you have to face directly, and you're seeing it uh, up on the mountain. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple of these things. Um, I was going to ask, how do people stay in touch or learn more? Um, we've got website, social media, just probably crowbar race. People will be able to find it on, on Facebook. Um, anywhere else? Uh, we, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, we have a okay. Twitter, uh, we have a website. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, any other thoughts that you have, anything you, you want to share before we wrap up about the race? I, I, I would just say thanks for being here and thanks for putting on this race. I, I think it adds another dynamic to the community. Um, I think it's hugely valuable. Everything Nordic United does, everything that um, individuals like yourself do um, really make the outdoor industry here. And the outdoor industry isn't this big, like nebulous thing. It's like individuals who are, who are making it happen every day. And, and if you don't show up, you know, or a few people don't show up, the race doesn't happen. Right. Um, so I would just say thanks for putting it on and thanks for making it happen. I think it adds so much to the community. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's really cool to have people as passionate um, about skiing, putting on something like this. I myself as a, am a graduate student. Um, last year, the race director was an undergraduate student. I don't think there are many races, organized races in the country that are exclusively put on by undergraduates and graduate students. <laughs> right. <That's- laughs> um, so it's, that that in itself is 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 very unique. Um, and it's just really cool to be part of uh, the longstanding community of, of racing here in Cache Valley. With Like we were talking about earlier, like races like Latoja and the Cran Fondo in the top of Utah and Crowbar. Um, bringing people together to really push themselves physically, mentally, emotionally um, and to build that outdoor community I think is really important for 
for our community here in northern Utah. Well, I hope more and more that those races are associated with each other, right? And when someone talks about Lodija, or, um, they think of the crowbar as well. Um, and, and vice versa, right? Um, I think they all add so much to this community. So again, thanks for taking time. And, and uh, wh- when is the race again? The race this year will be on Saturday, February 8th um, in a couple weeks. So you can sign up on ultrasignup.com uh, or find us at crowbarskirace.org. Perfect. Well, great. Uh, thanks again for taking time and excited for the race. Yeah. Thanks for having hey, us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more outdoor stories and content, connect with us on highlandermag.com. Thank you.